Perkins here, and I am outside, live, uh, to myself. This will be uh, put up a little bit later, but I am in uh, Piedmont, California, which is, uh, which is a township within uh, the East Bay of San Francisco. So um, things are um, really exciting to be back outdoors, and I know we're all, we're all excited to uh, be celebrating Earth Day uh, and getting outside. So I hope everyone is doing that uh, on this day. I wanted to talk a little bit about celebrating the earth and the impact that the apparel industry has on, um, on the planet. And I think one of the things that we think about a lot in sustainability is how can we shift from not just making less bad of an impact to actually starting to scale a more positive regenerative system great examples of that are regenerative farming and, and agriculture where you're actually looking at putting nutrients back into the system the circular economy is a great example of that where everything becomes a nutrient for a future cycle so that you're actually rotating and continuing the materials into future product use and so the apparel industry is very much primed towards going from a less bad impact approach towards actually looking at scaling sustainability in a much more positive impact regenerative way. So let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, where are we in sustainable fashion? Like what's happening? Where are we? And this is my perspective on it. And if you've been following some of my Lewis and Friends podcasts, I've been teasing this out with others because I'm curious to know this concept of a movement. Um, and I think that we're very much within um, the sort of end of a cycle of our movement somewhere within, you know, this sort of two to three year period right now of transitioning from the beginning, which is more of the infancy of sustainability uh, in the fashion industry, or maybe childhood. Let's say infancy was, you know, 20 years ago when we were talking about, you know, hemp and we were really looking at fashion that didn't really fit mainstream. You never saw a mainstream brand do sustainable fashion. It was usually some kind of, um, branded, you know, here I am in Northern California, so I'll just call us out, you know, hippy dippy Northern California apparel kind of brand. And and over the last 20 years, that's evolved to some very authentic brands looking very specifically at how they can be more green. Leadership brands like Patagonia, like Eileen Fisher, like Stella McCartney, who've really taken this from kind of a fringe to a more can this be done mainstream approach? And somewhere around 10 years ago, I would say the movement really started to activate when organizations like the Sustainable Apparel Coalition came together to really bring the industry around the table as one, just say, let's go at this as a, as a whole industry so that we can start to measure and, um, and drive common tools and programs across, across the entire supply chain, across how we design, how we produce, how we engage consumers. What I know about movements in sustainability really comes a lot from my work in the built environment and having been at Mohawk, Mohawk Industries and then, which was carpet, flooring, tile, and then that driving me into the cradle to cradle world where I was running uh, the Institute and the certification program, we were probably 10 to 15 years into the green building movement. USGBC, US Green Building Council, had been founded in the 90s. And with that became the sort of early phase of getting manufacturers, brands, architects, designers, real estate developers, you know, all talking about 
and being at the table for a conversation on what sustainability would look like within buildings. And that was mainly commercial, but then residential came into that too. Somewhere around 10 or 15 years into that movement, it started to be more about measuring impact and really looking at this much more serious collective approach where you saw less greenwashing and you saw more third-party verified data, more third-party verified impact and companies producing impact reports. That's where we really are now within the apparel industry, where we're a good 10 years plus into organizing ourselves. What we've seen in this first 10 years could be called some greenwashing. I, I tend to not call it greenwashing. I call it, you know, testing. <laughs> well, a lot of capsule collections, a lot of maybe we're only using this one material, but we're trying it out here. We're trying to see if consumers will engage with it. We're trying to recognize whether it fits within our sourcing supply chain, pricing matrix. You know, how is this going to work? Can we transition our company to become more sustainable? And how do these things work? So it was a lot of what I would call sort of skunk works. You know, these are projects, these are programs. We're going to market the heck out of them because we want to be A, perceived as being part of this movement, but B, we want to also engage, see if we can engage our consumer audiences in this. I think where the, where the skeptic would say is where greenwashing can step over is when it's misrepresenting. You know, we're stating these huge ambitions that we're actually not doing enough work to get toward. Um, and I think it's always a fine measure because we do want to state the ambition. I'm a big believer of if you say it, you can do it, you can make it happen. And so the public statements become very important. But now where we are is around public commitment. So going beyond just saying we're going to reach 100% circular or 100% renewable energy, or we're going to reduce our carbon emissions by X percent. We're actually establishing those targets against timelines and we're committing to getting there. So some of the key initiatives in the last few years that have been driving this, certainly going back to um, you know when the zero discharge of hazardous chemicals was launched, ZDHC, that was in direct response to Greenpeace's detox campaign, which really drove the industry towards, let's form an agreement on what substances or chemicals we don't want in products and we agree not to have in products. And how can we then drive from just better chemistry to green chemistry and start to encourage manufacturers to make safer dyes, better dyes, lower lower chemical management, have less heavy metals, et cetera. And this was a lot of the work we were looking at at cradle to cradle. So now what we're seeing is other commitments like the Science-Based Targets Initiative and associated organizations like the UN Charter for Fashion, um, the Fashion Pact, and other groups like what I run at AII, which is how do we step into collective action to actually drive that, to really drive programmatic, to measure the impact, to lower our carbon year over year, to report back on those numbers, and then to verify that impact in a way that we can actually say in order to get to our 45% CO2 emission reduction in the supply chain by the year 2030, we're going to need to start to track it. We're going to have to have year over year results and we're going to start to measure that back. So that's kind of what I see is happening. We're stepping into a next decade, which we've already stepped into if we look at 2020 to 2030 to reach these targets. But I think we're also, it's good timing for the movement. So it's aligning well with where the planet is, where the Paris Agreement is, where we're all working towards these UN Sustainable Development Goals over the next you know, term of our careers. Uh, this is the work of our time. Now, the next topic I wanna discuss is um, 
I get asked a lot, and particularly by friends that aren't in the industry, but friends who are following um, what we're doing, you know, who do you wear? Who do, what, what brands do you get behind and support? How can I shop more sustainably? What should I do? And I think that is a complicated question. Sorry, I had to get my coffee. That is a complicated question because there's always an it depends. Um, but here's what I'd say. As consumers, there's a lot of information for us to research as citizens. You know, there's a lot for us to research. And so the industry can and will do a better job at getting that information out to you. Part of what that needs to and will look like is some kind of nutrition label concept that's on our apparel, whether it's in our hang tags, whether it's something we can scan, whether it's a label inside, whether there's a RFID tracking that we can pick up on that data. There will be a way for us to pull out what is the carbon impact of this? How is that verified? What is the what is the transparency of the organic cotton that they're claiming is in this product? You know, how can I verify the impact? What matters to measure? And then how does that get rolled up into some kind of label, right? So our sister organization, the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, has been working on this for a number of years. And we're going to see something really soon from them that's going to get the industry aligned in terms of how we measure and report back or present back to consumers. So to move away from some of this individualized brands telling their own story and whoever has the best marketing kind of wins to really having a consistent verified data approach towards how do we measure impact and put that on a product so that when I'm shopping online, in retail, bricks and mortar, wherever, uh, I'm able to see that impact. And ultimately, that information should follow the life of that or the use phases of that piece of clothing through reuse, repair, vintage, swap, you know, resell, all of that. So that down the road, there is a thumbprint attached to this article of clothing that tells you everything you need to know about the impact of that product. And obviously, the longer you keep it in play, the longer that jacket or shirt or pullover or pair of pants is distributed out in the world through many, many owners and uses, it lowers that original impact that happened when you first made the product. So, um, so yeah, I'm super excited about that. And I think we're going to see it coming. Nothing to be said of the, you know, against brands coming up with their own marketing and even in some ways their own green labeling to put on their product. That's an interim solution, and that's something they're trying to do to engage their audiences and what we're doing right and what we can do now. But ultimately, we need to have a consistent way that I can walk into a department store or be on a virtual online shopping, and I can compare apples to oranges and know that I'm not getting one brand story versus another, and I can't compare the true value or the true cost or the true impact of that product. Okay, that being said, so... Okay, that's great, Lewis, but that doesn't help me shop right now. Well, here's what I'd say. You do need to take a little bit of onus on yourself to be a responsible shopper. And what I would say is go on the websites of the companies and brands you love. Maybe start as an exercise on Earth Day or during the month of April saying, who are the top, if I go look in my closet, who are the top two to three brands that are represented, you know, in my closet? And then what do I know about them as a company? So go on their website. You'll find their sustainability and, and corporate social responsibility pages pretty quickly because they want that front and center and go download their report and just peruse it and read it. You know, just do one and then maybe do three. 
and and learn about those companies. So I'm wearing Patagonia today. I've got some Lululemon pants on and some Nike shoes and some Calvin Klein underwear. And my friend Mark's Stanford cap that I stole, uh, borrowed. And you'll get it back, Mark, because um, I think you've got one of mine. So we swapped, right? See the trend? Anyway, long story short, what I'd like to say is the products that I'm wearing, I know something about because I work with those companies and I've read their annual reports and I follow up on what they're investing in. So that's one. Two is they'll be reporting back their impact and look to see if it's verified. Is it through certifications? Are they verifying their chemical management and the chemistry they use through Blue Sign or Cradle to Cradle or Green Screen or, or through the tools of ZDHC? Um, what about their carbon? You know, do they say anything about their science-based targets initiative? Are they part of it? Are they part of working towards lowering carbon? Do they publicly state those numbers? Do they tell you where they are in their journey? Um, what about the land use? You know, or do they have any relationship to land management and biodiversity and organic farming or wool management with uh, with uh, animal husbandry and and animal welfare? So start to look at these things and see what they say. Okay, that's one. Um, most reputable brands and those certainly that are publicly traded uh, are probably going to be working on these things and letting you know that. Then I would say um, lean in a little deeper and find out where, uh, you know, what they say about themselves, third party verification, and then just read some great articles about them. Because a lot of these brands are being written about and uh, some of the, the publications that are doing a wonderful job, Vogue is doing an excellent job on storytelling and really um, good journalism related to the apparel uh, sector's sustainability journey. Teen Vogue in particular, a great job. For those of you who have subscriptions, of course, there's Business of Fashion, Women's Wear Daily, Sourcing Journal for those internal, internal folks, Just Style. Um, but start to look. The Guardian does some great articles on this topic. Start to read, you know, educate yourself. So I would say, um, you know, having some responsibilities as citizen consumers is important. Um, on what you're purchasing when you're buying a new product. Now, the second thing that I would say is production and consumption is part of the problem. And we do need to fix it and we do need to transition it to cleaner, regenerative, 100% renewable, et cetera. But in the meantime, in the meantime, start to explore the relationship that you have with your closet. Go into the depths of your closet and look at those things you haven't worn in a while and flip it around and put everything that's in the middle on the ends and pull the ends to the middle. Do the same with your drawers. Pull everything from the bottom and flip them to the top. It's not that hard. Open the drawer, flip, it, pull, flip the stack. Start wearing the things you don't ever wear. You know, we're, all, we're not going out as much. Maybe we're starting to. Just start wearing stuff on Zoom. Have fun. You know, pull out some of those things that you just don't ever get out. This is the time to say, when I do go start going out again, I'm going to start wearing those things that I don't wear. And if you go into your closet and you're like, I haven't worn this thing. Now, pandemic aside, I haven't worn this thing in a year or six months or two years or five years. Why do you still own it? Could somebody else love and appreciate that? Get it into a resale vintage system. Depop, the real real. Um, uh, Salvation Army and Goodwill, like local systems, local vintage shops who will do consignment. Like it's fun. Start having fun with it. Make a little money on the side. Go find some new cool products and things that you want. Um, start looking at stuff that you already have and how you might embellish it. I had a pair of pants that I did some really cool colored whip stitching on them just to make them more fun and interesting. You know, start thinking about ways in which you can uh, re-engage with your products but personalize them. Don't let your clothes be a commodity. 
Don't think of them as just disposable and not start to love what you buy, what's in your closet. And if you don't do the Marie Kondo on it, if it doesn't bring you joy, move it out into a system where somebody can enjoy it. Do not throw it away. Do not let it go to landfill. Make sure it gets resold. And if they can't resell it, find out what they're going to do with it. They're probably going to get it to Goodwill and Goodwill will not landfill it. At the end of the day, they'll recycle those textiles. And that's the final thing is if you can start to learn where you can recycle your textiles, a lot of shops now have take back for cotton. I love certain brands like um, Marine Layer and Four Days who actually will collect their product back and put it into new product through new yarns. So start to learn about these things. Have fun, get excited, get engaged and, uh, and go back to like uh, trading close with your friends. Why not? You know, Mark and I are doing it. Thanks, guys.